Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the Always in Pursuit podcast. My I'm name leaving is it Aaron, in. and uh, I am hosting and introducing. And Mark is laughing at me. Very distracting. Uh, we're happy to have you guys back here. Uh, the purpose of the podcast is to kind of dive a little bit deeper into the topics and conversations that we start on Sundays through the sermon and the message. It's also to watch Mark drink Coke time, Zero. Time to crack a cold one. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, so we are excited. We've got a fun topic to kind of dive into today. And uh, just at the very top, I want to remind you all, if you have any questions, uh, thoughts, comments, you can put those into the chat. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, you can also email us here at the church office at Pursuit Community church or you can text uh, either myself megan or mark if you have our phone numbers and speaking of we have megan here today hello hey, good morning everyone yep and yeah. oh, stop that Great. we love you megan <laughs> Get out we of also here. have mark. Hey, mark we don't have one that goes like wah 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 yeah. uh no i think i have a is there a nope. sad trombone ski that's like <laughs> i have this yeah, one for when aaron yeah, makes a joke yeah. that's all i got Sorry, guys. You're just I, chaos today. I, you know, I have four buttons here, so I could add one. That's a wah, wah, wah. Um, yeah, welcome. <laughs> there's there's some other, other ones. Like, we need the Wilhelm from, like, uh, Star Wars, the when the guy falls. No, I can't even recreate it. I, am I have so no idea what you're talking, what about. talking about. Look it up. Okay. <coughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, you know we need the... Bow, 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 bow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever that is, air horn, the ham rap horn, yeah, like that. yeah, the hype horn. All right, so what are we talking about today, oh, guys? Hey, we're so glad you're here, Megan, because <laughs> we would just have a great time. Each podcast would be three hours long. Yeah. So, Mark, uh, give us a quick recap to uh, what you talked about this last Sunday. Yeah. Um, been working. Oh, come on, you're the worst. Um, <clears throat> been working on, you know. We haven't talked about uh, generosity in almost a year and a half. I think it was November, a year and a half ago. So. I think so. Um, which that sermon's on our giving page if you're interested mm-hmm. in going back to look it at is. it. But, um, so I've been planning on it, talking about it, because it just seemed like a, you know something that you need to bring up and talk about every so often. It felt like we had been a little too long. Um, but also, I didn't really exactly only talk about generosity because there was kind of a lot on my hard as I was processing the uh as I was processing the Sabbath series because so many good things like so many good things like um people you know telling me that they had uh you know found time in their day to take out you know that they had changed mm-hmm. their rhythms over the weekend even they were making small changes but it was like something you know they're moving in the right yeah. direction mm-hmm. all that was great but there was a subsection of people that pretty much just instead of like even trying anything or like moving towards more rest or rhythm in their life where their general response was like, Hey, that's great. But like, there's just no way. Yeah. Like, it's just not going to work for like me. Out of reach for me. <clears throat> and I've been thinking about this for a while. Like, you know, if, uh, if the disciples we have right now were uh, the church, when Jesus ascended into heaven, how far does the church get? You know, uh, I know that's a weird thing to think about, but you know, there were, were multiple disciples in fact really all the main disciples gave their lives for the cause of the church to establish christianity and i actually i think i tweeted it tweeted this about a month ago that like the church would have never made it out of that first Mm -hmm. century if 
if today's disciples were in charge of the church then yeah that there's just something that's been lost lately um and i'm not like again trying to shame anyone or point anyone out specifically i just feel like in general there's a lack of discipleship among christians in our country in general there's a there's a uh priority problem for a Mm -hmm. lot of people and it's really what we end up having here is this like version of christianity we've talked about this a lot there's either a version of christianity that's mixed with your politics Mm -hmm. or there's a version of christianity that's mixed with cultural values or there's a selfish version of christianity where essentially you're just tacking jesus onto your politics or the cultural norms or your own personal selfishness. And the way that you make decisions is you're running it through a filter. That's like, great. What are the cultural values? What are my political values? What are my uh, personal selfish values? Mm -hmm. And then let me apply Jesus's values and we'll see if anything falls through all three of those filters. Yeah. And um, I think a problem in our church, if I'm going to be perfectly honest um, and I'm not calling anybody out here, I, I don't mean this to be like, again, I don't mean to be judgmental or, shaming I, I think i was talking to somebody and uh, i was giving them some advice uh, this was like a couple months ago and i was being very straightforward about the situation they were in and they stopped and looked at me and they're like i feel like you're judging me and i was like <laughs> um you asked me for my advice like i am kind of judging right. your situation you asked me to right like yep. um no i know you're not asking me for this information was your response like good i've been laying it on pretty thick well like <laughs> i kind of wanted to be like maybe that's the holy spirit like yeah, <laughs> yeah. like i'm not judging you i still love you and i accept you yep. no matter what like yeah. but i'm gonna tell you straightforward like, like yeah. this is the situation there you're might in. be some conviction you there. should probably do this you know like mm-hmm. just throwing it out there um and i know people out there aren't asking me for my opinion on how they're living their life but we have had this weird grouping of people that have continued on in our small groups they don't uh, serve anywhere in our church. They don't attend on Sundays. They don't give. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're really not doing anything that would connect them to our church at all, except for the fact that they're staying in their small group. Um, it's really turning into this weird, wishy-washy sort of, it's it's putting me in a weird spot because do I challenge them or do I leave them alone? Like, is it better for them to be in a small group mm-hmm. or is it a discipleship problem where you're really not here you're really yeah. not part of what we're doing. You're just taking advantage of what we offer so that you can have community with people that you like. Mm. And <clears throat> you're not interested in following Christ because you're not submitting yourself in any way other yeah. than showing up to a social event every you know other week or whatever. Um, and I can think of, I don't know, uh, probably half a dozen people that fall into that category. Um, and up until now, I was just making the COVID conversation, the COVID case, like, well, they're not coming because of COVID, yep. mm-hmm. but actually as I've like engaged some of these people, it's really not that at all. I've, we've got some that just started going to another church, but stay in their small group. Yeah, We've got some that this is straight up say, I'm never going to church again. I'm not interested in it, but I like my small group. I'm going to keep doing it. We've had some people, um, who I think they were pretty, um, careful, but have taken all of the all of the care out of their other decisions in life. And now have just basically decided not to come back to church. Mm. And again, that doesn't even explain the serving piece of it or the giving piece of it. Um, and I should be real clear while I have access to all the records and information at our church, I don't readily access those. I do get, uh, I do get information about new givers. Mm-hmm. Someone who starts giving regularly or their first gift. 
and I do get information about people who stop giving. So there's some information that I have that no, no one else has in that regard. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a system that kicks me a message automatically when someone stops giving yeah. or starts giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can go look at any piece of information that I would want to, but I limit myself to only looking at those things if there's a real need for it. So mm-hmm. if there's a church discipline issue yeah. or we're putting somebody in a real significant leadership position, yeah. sometimes I'll take a look at their giving record yeah. just to make sure that like, mm-hmm. We're making a good decision. They're connected. Yes. And, and now might be a good time to just kind of remind our listeners that this is not just a podcast about airing like pastoral grievances. No, 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 no. It's, it's like really, I think we're using that sociology totally yeah. as an example of like, Hey, if you don't want to be a part of pursuit, that's great. Like we've always been kingdom minded. I think Mark, you do a really good job of that saying that from like the platform in pretty much any forum, like, if this isn't the place for you, that's great. Like go somewhere else, find a place that is, you know, and vice versa. Like we're, you're more highlighting the fact that like, we're talking about discipleship here and not just like being plugged in at pursuit. There's a cultural trend. Yeah. That's what yep. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Totally. <clears throat> I don't think it's just us. I think there's other churches dealing with the same thing. hundred percent. I think there is a group of millennials who are like, not interested in giving, not interested in serving, not interested in going to church, but I do love small groups. I love community. Yeah. I think there's a lot of versions of this because there's, there are people like there are people who are deconstructing their faith. That's kind of a hot word to use right now to describe that. There's people that still believe in God, but they don't really know or understand how they feel about church because they've been burned or there's some other baggage there. There's people that are spiritual, but they're not disciples. Like there's people that are good people and they want to socially be good but they are just super hesitant with like corporate church and, yep. or like a faith community. And so. this isn't new. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, this is a more, I'm finding it to be a millennial problem right now, mm-hmm. but like, this is not a, the baby no. boomers are the same thing. As no. soon as the church went online, baby boomers were like, cool, I'm staying in my kitchen and watch church online. Yeah. <laughs> but they were actually giving. Yeah. They like stayed giving. They were like, yeah. cool. We give 10% of our, of our income and we watch church online and we don't do anything else. So yeah. their, their thing yeah. that they pulled away from was actually community. Yep. They just wanted to be isolated, left alone. We give our money to the church. We go to the online service for an hour on Sunday morning in Boca Raton. <laughs> yes. Seriously. <laughs> in our 20,000, 40,000, $50,000 yeah. kitchen. There yeah. could also be an argument though, that it wasn't sacrificial, sacrificial giving yes. that they were doing. Absolutely. Um, so it's not like they had everything else figured out. There's, like, an, there's an argument that what's happening now is not community. If yeah. you're not really living yeah. deeply with people, yeah. you're not connected to them in the church that is connected all these uh-huh. people together around yeah. the mission of the church. So I think the, the, it changes from generation to generation yep. about really based on the values of the generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like baby boomers were like much more independent mm-hmm. and millennials are much more like communal community based. Yeah. So love our small group. Yeah. Don't really have any time or yeah. interest in the church or the mission of the church or really anything mm-hmm. about the. So the how we're missing the mark has changed, but the fact that we're missing the mark. Yes. Continues. Yeah. So, this, so just process this. This is me sociologically trying to understand where mm-hmm. people are at. Yeah. And that's not just the only thing. I also think that there are a lot of people whose, you know, their filters or their values, they do not. Jesus is the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. They run it through, like I said, political, they run it through cultural, they run it through their own selfish values, or maybe, maybe even unselfish ones. Like you might be serving your family in some way based on your values, but that's still taking precedent over Christ. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, if there's anything left, yep. then it falls through these three, like these three tiers of 
then we'll do it. And to me, again, this is a discipleship issue. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're not creating real disciples whose first filter is Christ and his word and his values. Mm -hmm. And I keep saying this over and over in, in sermons and, you know, even on this podcast, it's like, what are Christ's values and how do we put on display the values of this kingdom over our own personal values, over our political values, over our, like, how do we do that in a way that is winsome to the rest of the, Mm -hmm. the rest of the world? I think people need to see it more than ever. And we need to stop battling. We've talked about this. We need to stop battling for Congress to solve the problem or for it to be legislated or for Minnesota to step in and go, let's legislate Christian values. Like that will only be a problem or marriage or something like that. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the meta themes of scripture that occurs over and over and over again is like, God cares about where your heart's at. Like that's what he cares about. And, you know, so like you see in the old Testament with like sacrifices, the sacrificial system, God's like, yeah, sacrificing is great, but I, I want your heart. Like, I want you to like strive for me. <coughs> see that in the new Testament, like there's so many stories about like, is, is their heart changed? Like, are you actually a disciple of Christ? And so, you know, like get, coming off this message, talking about like generosity and giving, you know, the Bible tells us about 10%, the tithe, first fruits. What it feels like is you have people who are giving 10%, but it's like their last 10%, not their first 10%. Yeah. And so it's really a matter, like you said, about prioritizing, like, where is your heart at? What is important to you? Is it the first thing that you think about? Is Jesus the first filter that everything else goes through? Or is it the last thing that like, if you happen to have some leftovers, you've got some margin, then we'll go to church or we'll plug in and and do automatic giving at church or something like that. I don't even have to think about it. It just is happening. Like that is essentially what you're talking about here is this discipleship problem of priorities and the heart. Like, where are those things at? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we purposely, if I'm going to talk about money for a second, I want to get to that more in in a minute, but we've purposely not, I have not taught a tithe. Mm -hmm. I've not taught that concept very much. Uh, Jesus does seem to affirm the tithe when he talks to the uh, Pharisees about their giving. And he says, like, talks about them. Uh, like getting so intense about their tie that they're like measuring out a 10th of their spices and a 10th of their like insignificant things that he's just going to do. We have to do that. He's like, he's kind of giving them a hard time. Sure. He's basically saying, yeah, you're doing everything properly. Correct. But you're, you're missing the point of all this. Right. And when we talk about giving, you know, he, he seems firm a tithe and then to encourage people to give in a sacrificial way, which is even above a tithe, which I know would be bananas to most people. Like, Hey, giving more than a tithe would be like a crazy life change for most, most people. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, to me, it's not even about the amount. No, it's not. It's about, it's about the process of your heart changing and your values, your, your um, priorities being put in place. Mm -hmm. And so, to be honest, even giving something consistently mm-hmm. would be just as important as giving a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also say the the thing I'd be looking for would be like, is your gift sacrificial? Mm-hmm. Does it? Do you feel it? Because you, like you said, if you set it to auto, that's great. I yeah. love it when people set it to auto. It's really helpful, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. like, but you also, if you don't feel it anymore, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, like that's not the heart, right? We're essentially <laughs> equating like what we give to like our cell phone bill, you know, basically yeah. it's like, it's just it runs in the background. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. You don't have to think about it. Yep. It's not part of your like day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, like process. And I think that's really what we're trying to get at here. I mean, scripture tells us all the time about people who give a lot of money and they miss the mark. And then it tells us about people who like barely give anything, but it's all they have. And right. that's what God wants is it wants the heart. Like, is it too hard of a concept to think that the God of the universe, that if he needs money, he can manifest it or I, make something happen? Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure God could work with Bitcoin if you need to, like, you know, but you might need to, right. He well, might it's crashing to. today because there's a war starting in Ukraine and Russia. <laughs> Rabbit hole. Um, but I, I just think that like, Thanks, pooping. God wants our hearts, right? He wants yeah. our our priority. He wants our relationship. He wants us to be with him in all that he does. Right. Right. And so like this, there's context to this conversation, but it goes to all areas, not just finances, not just our time, not just our focus, like not just our brains and our intelligence and things like that. Like everything, what makes a discipleship (coughs) is you're an apprentice. And so you are focused on the master. You are intent on learning his or her ways. Right. And that takes focus and priorities. You can't be an apprentice if you're just like, nah, not really paying attention. <laughs> right. Right. I really loved your focus on Sunday of feeling that tension. Yes. Feeling that tension of knowing that there are areas of our life that we need to continue to get better at. That was a great Releasing point. to it's, Jesus. I made a great point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's true because n- we can't stand up here and say, we're professional Christians. We have this all together. Now, guys, get in line. This mm-hmm. is this is not it. the The whole point is that we realize that in our lives there are areas where we're not mm-hmm. as good at giving away, or we're not willing to release. But mm-hmm. we feel that tension. Mm-hmm. I love that point of like, if you don't feel that tension, then there's a bigger issue. Yep. Like, if you feel that tension, then just stay in that tension and lean in. Like, this doesn't have to all get fixed overnight. By the snap of a finger. Once it's settled, then you've lost your apprentice status. Yeah. Like once you've got it figured out and you're, you've arrived. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've lost the idea of what it means to follow Jesus. There's no arrival. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, I got it all figured out. There's no stagnant. There was a guy at, at grace. uh, This was probably like eight, nine years ago who he died um, a couple years ago, like after this story, but he was in his like late eighties and decided to get baptized. Hmm. And I just always thought that was the craziest thing. Like somebody in their late eighties, who's now decided to make the decision to follow Jesus and put that out there publicly. It's like, and he had been like Mm -hmm. around the church his whole life, but never really went all in. It's like, if you're an apprentice, if you're a disciple, it's ongoing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't end. I think a lot of people are like, I, you know, and and around here, a lot of people went to Christian college. They went to Bethel. They went to Northwestern. So North Central. <laughs> they went to North Central. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really. We love I, you guys too. I forget about them. Uh, well, and we won't even mention Crown. Like they don't. Yeah. No. <laughs> Crown who's related to my college. Um, <laughs> but I think what's interesting is that, like a lot of people took a survey class. Mm-hmm. So they had New Testament, Old Testament survey. They were required to read all the way through the Bible. Uh-huh. They got just enough theology to inoculate them to caring about any of the stuff mm. moving forward. Like they kind of were like, great, I have a handle on enough of this 
and now I can just move on from it. Like, uh, and to me that it never ends kind of piece of it where you're continually being changed, being transformed. Yep. Like there's a, a, a moment where you accept Jesus and you're transformed in the eyes of, of God. Mm-hmm. He sees you as this perfect sinless person, but you aren't, you aren't in real world. You are not sinless. You are not no. perfect. No one is going to be there. And you get closer to who God has called you to be throughout your life as you do the process of, yep. of becoming who God has called you to be. Um, so to me, when you stop that process or when you say enough, then you've just lost your, your disciple role or your apprentice role yeah. to Jesus. And so I'm not telling you that to give you a hard time, like get back up on the horse, like be, be woken up to the idea that you're, you're not following Christ anymore. And that right now you're resting on what's happened in your past mm-hmm. and begin to follow Jesus again. Yeah. And what does it look like to do the spiritual practices of being an apprentice? I mean, what does it look like to commit to, you know, the vision of a local church? What does it look like to be in community with people? What does it look like to have, you know, uh, to give in a sacrificial way? Like these are all things that are part of the process. So to me, you know, and you know how I I lament things probably Mm -hmm. more than I should. Um, You know, I'm glad you guys have a cheery disposition because I come in and I'm like, (laughs) Again, I'm like, the church never gets out of the first century with the disciples we have nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like none of us give up our lives. The church, the blood's not spilled anywhere. The church doesn't expand. Like we we just die. It just dies because mm-hmm. we just, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, calm down a second. You know, <laughs> we have some serious challenges. People here have lost their way. It's been like a really tough three years. Maybe give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't shame them or give them a hard time. Encourage them. Encourage mm-hmm. them to get back on the horse, right? So that was kind of the thought process in the beginning. It was just me as your pastor trying to tell you like, hey, our level of discipleship, it needs to go up. Like yeah. we need to get back into the apprentice role. Mm-hmm. We yeah. need to get back into sitting at the feet of Jesus, doing the spiritual practices, yep. showing up at a church, being part of a community, sacrificially giving, being generous people. Um, and that's so- part of the good news is that God continually by nature keeps that door open for us to keep coming back. We can come back, mess up, come back, mess up, come back, mess up. In fact, he pretty much expects that. Like, <laughs> you know, that's why he said Jesus is because he knew that we would never be able to do it on our own. Yep. And so we can vent, you know, and like talk about it and share some of our own personal frustrations or even just like ponderings about like, you know, we wish it was different. But the reality is, is that God through his son, Jesus has left left that opportunity open for us to do that. And so why wait, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, it, it, the ch- our church is doing great. Mm-hmm. We are not in need. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not, this isn't a fundraising conversation, right? Yeah. I think that that would be the danger. So yeah. like a lot of pastors would get up there and paint this picture and then be like, and the way that you get out of this is to do more religious stuff. <laughs> and <clears throat> be sure to hit, you know, give. Right. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. yeah. Like who hasn't set up their automatic giving? Let's yeah. all set up our automatic giving today. That's our mm-hmm. step out of this sermon. Like, not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm saying is we got to recapture the heart of following Christ and recapture the apprenticeship role, the yep. disciple role. Yeah. yeah. And this, and this is a similar conversation to like the, the faith by works conversation, you know, our, our faith is not determined by our works. We're not saved through our works. But if you have a real relationship with God, 
if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're a discipleship in the context of this conversation, then you should want to do more. You should want to give of your time and give of your relationship and serve yeah. and love people. Like, yeah, you can't really have that heart change piece without wanting to do more than what you're doing. Right. You know, that's, that's what we're talking about. Yep. Yeah. So I gave some principles of generosity. Um, obviously the focus, we did talk a lot about giving. I did talk a lot about the financial structure of the church, by the way, any questions on the financial structure of the church, anything that you were wondering while you were sitting there listening to the sermon? Me? No. Just in general. Or thinking maybe other people might be thinking about some of these things. All right. Aaron, anything okay. <laughs> Anything you were thinking people were thinking as we were talking about the structure of finances? I think it's good. Um, you know, the conversations that I had on Sunday after the service, I didn't really hear anyone talking about it in the sense of like, yeah, I think, I just, I think people appreciate more uh, vulnerability and transparency around it. And I think they also appreciate the, like the earnest, earnest behind it of we need to be better at this, not yeah. just the giving piece, but like yeah. being discipleships. And so it's a welcomed push in the right direction. Yes. Yeah. The sense that I had, there were a lot of places we set out to do things differently. Yeah. Yep. So we were pretty clear on, okay, there are like some mistakes we can't make as a mm -hmm. church because it will erode people's faith in what we're doing. Yep. It will hurt the mission. One of those was an area, the area of finances. Um, one of those was how we um, encourage and equip and honor women mm -hmm. in our church. That's a huge piece of why we, what we do. Yep. Like we think differently than a lot of churches in our denomination. I, I like the idea that maybe we're pushing our denomination a little bit and trying to get them into 2022. Like we're trying. Um, uh, I do think they're, you it's know, take a lot more pushing. <laughs> it is. It's not, it's not a one and done. We love our denomination. We think that they can grow in this area. Yeah. Um, there isn't a, there isn't a, let's see, what's the word I'm looking for? There, there isn't a, an official policy anywhere that's wrong. Nope. Uh, it's just the way the churches operate within yep. the denomination. And they're all so independent because that's what our denomination is about, yep. that we can operate in a way that's much more egalitarian, meaning yeah. like women, men. Well, and, and there's a difference same. between allowing a space for women to be in ministry and advocating and empowering women in ministry. And I feel like that's, we can move. Right now, we allow it. It's converge as a whole does not have any policies against it mm -hmm. um but i i don't know that i would say we're in a spot where converge as a whole is encouraging and empowering and then converge is the name of our denomination yes yeah so, so yeah and i think we're trying to do that yes and we're trying to be one of those churches that encourages other churches to get home mm -hmm. with us and there's some we're not alone there's no a we're handful not alone. of churches that are yes thinking like we are so we're financial uh leadership wise for me it was important to to keep structures in place so that, you know, we didn't begin to put any pastors on a pedestal yep. that we are trying to be humble in our leadership, uh, servant leaders, you know, that we are encouraging and equipping and releasing women into ministry. Um, you know, there's, so there's a lot of things that we thought about differently, but like finances was like one of the key ones. 
because there's been so much rampant problems in the church when it comes to yep. poor leadership, lack of respect for women, and uh, lack of using resources correctly, yep. which has caused all kinds of problems. And lack of transparency <clears throat> when there was issues. Right. And kind of that like sweep it under the rug grossness yeah, and I for think anything. Accountability is one of the like overarching yeah things yeah. with all these you know like just holding our having structures in place to hold us accountable you mm-hmm. know and not just like skating on that or pretending yep. like it doesn't exist or you know yeah you know. yeah and so that's why we set up our finance team mm-hmm. to have proper checks and balances yep. there's no one person there. to let you in behind the curtain on the, the the governance process which we're working on behind the scenes um one of the things we are adding into our um constitution is that Anytime there's a credible, I shouldn't even use the word credible. Anytime there's a threat or a, um, wow, my brain is, is going to get an accusation against a pastor that there's an external review done by a group outside of our church that mm-hmm. will check into the veracity of whatever that accusation yep. is. Takes it out of the hands of our elders and out of the hands of our church. So we literally can't make the mistake yep. of sweeping something under the rug, right? Yep. Um, some of those financial decisions are going to be part of that constitution where it's like nope you have a spending side you have a um, a reconciling side neither of these two things can have the other one's powers yeah. um, you have you know your pastor is part of that process but also there's a, a person who's just like a extra person to see it all you know so like yep. they don't even get to do any of it but they get to see it all mm-hmm. yeah so you and there's know, someone that person has to be someone that does not like the pastor um what no i don't (laughs) no um let's check some balance yeah so i mean we've been thinking about this and what's funny in the governance process is we keep making the joke like um well we need this policy in place not not because of you mark but because the next pastor might be a problem you know it just i think it's so funny (laughs) that like we say it over and over and over they're like they're like i think we should really have like a um, a rule about like an external review when yeah, there's a, yeah. an accusation. I'm just kind of like, there's going to be any yeah. accusation. They're like, it's not you. It'll be the next pastor. They're like, or the we need one. this more in place for Megan or Aaron <laughs> no. or Bobby. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's for, it's for the next level, the <coughs> next team, yeah. because we feel very, very strongly about this, that these are things that we would likely do anyways, whether they yes. were written in the constitution or right. not. Um, but we just want to protect the next staff team, the next pastor, the next generation that these values continue to be lived out through pursuit. Um, So that, because I mean, you see this in churches, they start great. They're, they're headed true North at the beginning. And then 10 years down the line, they've lost focus. Yeah. We need a button bar for that one too. The womp womp. It's funny because I'm doing first John right now. (laughs) And first John, John is writing to them like 80, 80, maybe 80, 80, somewhere in the eighties. Um, it's like 40, 50 years after the church begins yeah. and they're having all kinds of issues. Yeah. It's like you can, in the like length of time a church exists, yeah. it goes through these cycles of problems. Another like really fun thing uh, as we were, um, as I was researching, it's like they had Timothy, Paul, uh, uh, Apollos, and now John, right yep the like disciple john all four of those at some point were the pastor of the church in ephesus mm-hmm. and were the main preacher of the church in ephesus yeah and they still had problems yeah. so 
So your pastor will not fix all your problems. Your, your preacher does not mean that you're not going to have problems with your church. Yeah. Sounds like a modern church. I don't it's, know. it's pretty yeah. great. You know, and then you look in first, I think it's first Corinthians where they're, it's either first or second, but it's where they're talking about, um, you know, uh, some people are in Apollos' camp. Some people are in Paul's camp. Some people are, and like, it's almost like people are calling the church. I mean, I know they weren't calling, but like to say who's preaching this weekend, whether they were going to be part of what was going on. Yeah. And, uh, and Paul just crushes them. He's like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, it's like we all seed and God is the one that brings up yeah. the, the, the yeah. crop, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. we, we reap what God does and we're not the ones that get yeah. to do that process. I've heard argument that a church, if it hits 10 years, should just close and start a new church. It, there's a significant like, change at yeah. 10 years as to how outreach focused a church yeah. is statistically. Yep. Not yeah. every church. Not mm-hmm. every church, but just yep. generally. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I also think like you, you generally have rolled over. I mean, if if you make it that long, things are going great. Yeah. And so it's like you generally roll over leadership. Things change. It's uh-huh. not always great. Yep. So. so I I mean, this is out of the box, but I think like we just partnered with Catalyst Wiper this mm-hmm. last year, this year. Uh, here in two and a half years, we'll be partnering launching church x you know tbd but then year nine we just changed the name of pursuit and be like hey we're launching this new church and it's us (laughs) (laughs) question of the day should aaron plant a church at some point just throwing that out there three years from now three years three and a half years uh you can say no now it's okay god will move you in three years that's fine i I can say no for the next uh seven years too you can do whatever you you want yeah doesn't mean that Okay. I I mean, me and God are in contact often. I feel like the answer on his side has been no to so. That's why I'm taking you to the church planning conference in a few weeks. Yeah. I'm hoping the Holy Spirit starts moving your heart. Okay. So here's some of the principles of generosity I got to at the end of the sermon. Yep. Um, first, I think the underlying belief is that everything is from God and is a chance to be, uh, yeah. a chance to steward that resource. Mm-hmm. So in order to have generosity, you have to believe that it's not yours. Yep. You have to step back and say, this does not belong to me. This belongs to God. And I know we're talking about the church, but like in general, your leaders of the church need to step back and say, this is not mine. Yep. It's really hard to do for me, you know, like to have thought it up, seen, you know, heard the call, gone for it, recruited, fundraised. Birthed. That's I don't, oh man. Um, but to go through that whole process and to then step back and say, it's not, it's mine. not mine. It's not mine. It's not like I started a business yeah. where I'm yeah. an entrepreneur and I can step back and say, this is all mine. Right. Starting a church is not like that. I might've been the, um, the change agent that got everything uh-huh. moving in that direction. Right. Yeah. Just, I can't get over birthed. Megan seems so happy to use that word. We birthed just, a church. Cause she wanted me to feel uncomfortable. That's the sense. She looked right at me and was like, birthed. I was like, oh, gross. Um, there's so many parallels. <clears throat> I know. Marjorie would be all over this. Oh, all over it. <laughs> she is, People are like, who's somewhere Marjorie? in Tennessee? Marjorie's ears are freaking Marjorie's out. my she's friend. Like, yeah. um, yes, she's the best. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's not ours. And that is hard. I, I'm with you with that. But we believe this as Christians about our children. Mm-hmm. But our finances, about all everything we own, like we own, everything we have is a chance to steward something, is a chance to use it for the kingdom and prioritize Jesus 
and I think we get lost sometimes. Yeah. And and by the way, this is the funny part because I think a lot of times people are like, I don't really have any resources right now, so I can't really give or like I can't let go of stuff or I can't use this for kingdom, and maybe, um, but someday I will. Someday when I have more. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you won't. If you can't do it when you don't have a lot, you can't do it when you do have a lot. No. Nope. The more that you get, the harder this becomes. Yep. The more that you get, the tighter that you hold. Yes. It's not to easy it to like to and I think a lot of people struggle with that. They struggle with it when they have nothing to be generous. And they struggle with it when they have everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because now they they can't, yeah, you know, they haven't practiced this. Yep. It's not part of who they are, the generosity yep. piece. And I've seen people too that are like generous with certain parts of their life. Like, hey, we have a great home. We want to have people into it. We spend tons yeah. of money on hosting and having people over, mm-hmm. but we can't let it go to the church, uh-huh. you know, or we can't let this other piece of our life. Yep. We have to, we have to control this and hold on yeah. to it. Yeah. And stranglehold it. Mm-hmm. So uh, everything is from God and it's chance to steward. That's like the underlying principle. Um, number two, generosity honors God. So it's a, every time we let go of something and we're generous, it's a way to say God is first in our lives. Yep. So that practice is what will help us use the filters of, of Christianity and of Christ and of his word more often when we're practicing generosity, we're yep. honoring him and we're putting him first. Like you said, Aaron, with the first fruits, mm-hmm. yep. which do you think people know what that means when you say that term, like first fruits? Do you think they understand the concept behind that? Like, they, do you might, they qu- might not quickly. Yeah. So, it, you know, I don't what do you specifically what like where in scripture it talks about I, that? Or? I go to um, Cain and Abel. Yeah. Because one, uh, so you have Abel gives his um, his offering and it's mm-hmm. received and it's it's enough and it's great. God is very pleased with it. Uh, Cain gives his and rejected and Cain is judged for it. And the only difference about their offerings were really the heart behind what they gave. Abel gave first Mm -hmm. and he gave the best. Cain gives last and he gives his leftovers. Mm -hmm. You see this all throughout scripture, all throughout the Israel where they're giving like mangled animals, their leftover yeah, animals that are lame and, and they're like, well, we're going to burn it up anyways. Let's get yeah, the ones. I mean, are... you see it too, like with Abraham and Isaac, what, you know, when God commands Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, yeah. like the first fruit, yeah, his only right. child that took his whole yes. life. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. the concept is that God wants your first and your mm-hmm. best. Right. And that is part of that heart that's behind if you pull back, it's essentially like the scripture's way of saying like God wants your heart. Like he doesn't yeah. want your yeah, worst. Yeah. He wants your best. And if we were going to like bring that into today, what that would mean is that when we start our budget, we look at what we're going to give first <laughs> and then we decide all the other yeah. decisions. Yeah. So like we get to like, do we pay for cable? How many streaming <laughs> services do we have? Yeah. What, how many car payments do we have? Those decisions get made after we've decided what we want to give. Like, yep. right. And that is prioritizing giving your yep. first and your best. Yep. If you're saying, nah, we got to have two car payments. We got to pay for the. We're going to pay all the bills. Yeah, the cable. And, and then can... maybe we'll decide whether we give to church or go to Starbucks this yeah. week. And we have, but... we have this much left wah, over now. Wah, let's give, wah. let's give a percentage of this leftover yeah. part yeah. to the church. That is, yeah. that's Kane's offering. Yep. <laughs> don't yep. give that. That's the don't, leftovers. Please don't give that. Like, that's not giving yep. with joy. That's giving out of a heart um, of 
that's religion. That's mm -hmm. saying I have to do something. Yep. I might as well do something. Yeah. I mean, we're familiar with this when it comes to like pre-tax things, yeah. you know, like contributing to our HSA or something like right. that. Like that money goes into our HSA before we pay tax on it. So it decreases the total amount that gets taxed kind of a thing. Right. It's the same concept here with like your own personal budget. When you give your first fruit, your first 10% or whatever your percentage is, you're saying, okay, God, I'm taking this off of the top and I'm giving it to you so that you can do with it what you want. And then I'll figure out the rest, like with what's left. Right. Yeah. So it prioritizes, like I said, yeah. it honors God yeah. mm -hmm. and it's the first and the best. Yeah. So the next one was uh, generosity draws me closer to God. And again, I think it's a mm -hmm. chance for you every time you, you give to let go of something yeah. to be closer to what his values are, what his yeah. mission is, what he's calling you into the transformation in your own life. Like it's a, it's an active moment where you are again, choosing Jesus and becoming closer to him. It's just part of that apprentice yeah. Yeah. cycle. You know what else does that? You know, prioritizing your time and mm -hmm. taking your Sabbath. You know what else does that? When you sit down and open up your Bible, when you pray, yep. when you spend time with other believers, when you attend church, like all these things draw you closer to God. They're priority driven. Mm -hmm. They're value based mm -hmm. uh, choices. I also think it's an important reminder too that, you know, generosity is a very personal thing. You know, I think we oftentimes forget you know, so like you mentioned on Sunday, the notion of like, I don't like giving financial updates because if I tell you guys that giving is going well, people are naturally going to like pull back. Inevitable. Back. It yeah. happens every time. Yeah. And so like the, the idea here is, you know, don't do that. <laughs> like, don't pull back because you say like, oh, someone else is doing it. Someone else has got it. Like someone yeah. else is giving like your generosity is between you and God. First and foremost, you shouldn't, there should be no other external factors right. besides that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that just revealed yeah. your priorities yeah and by the way we don't want you to give unless you're giving joyfully 100 and you feel called to do it and yeah. you've decided this is what god has called me to do and this is what i'm going to do yeah. like don't haphazardly give don't tip god with whatever mm -hmm. you've got left mm -hmm. yeah. at the end of the day without really putting a lot of thought into it mm -hmm. pray about it do your entire budget around that idea mm -hmm. yeah. and then figure it out and grow in it so you could yeah. start small. I'm not saying you have to give 10% from the beginning, yeah. but if you every year were to increase what you give slowly, it wouldn't hurt at all. And you'd still feel the joy of giving. Yeah. And before long, you'd find that you were, there's this crazy story. I didn't tell it on Sunday because it's, I mean, it challenges me. Mm. It, it like pushes me. Like, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I've given everything for this church. There's not much else I could give. We're like, I think if you look at the raw numbers of giving units, I think me and Marty are like the 10th highest givers in the entire church. We've given everything. Like there isn't anything else I have that I could not sacrifice for this church. And yet Rick Warren was telling the story about when he started in ministry, they immediately started giving 10%. And every year they just gave God a raise. That's the way he, that's the way he put it. We just gave God a raise every single year. And he said, before long, we were given 30, then we we're given 40%, we we're given 50%. And he's like, and you know, he wrote the the book purpose driven life which turned into its own cottage industry mm -hmm. essentially like all the purpose driven crap mm -hmm. like this is me judging right <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing but but listen to what 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 he did so he immediately they were already giving like 70 80% of their income in generosity he definitely has the gift of generosity right mm -hmm. um him and his wife obviously they're not he's not making the decisions in a vacuum um and he immediately went and paid back every dollar, every dollar he had ever received in salary when he got his first checks from 
the Purpose Driven Life book, which sold more copies than any other nonfiction book ever in the history of the world other than the Bible. Like, just run that through your filter. Like, that's bananas. I was going to say, it's pretty <clears> easy <throat> to give back your salary when you're rich. He's super <laughs> like, rich. But yeah. listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain yeah. to you. He didn't, he still drives a 15-year-old Ford F-150. He didn't move. Stayed in the same house. He increased his, not only paid all that back, increased his giving to 90%. So he, they live on 10% of what they have. They give away 90%. And, and some of it he has to give away outside of his church because it would be too much. It would actually upset the financial system in his church if he gave that much money to them. So some of it has gone to his programs in Africa that he has where he's like, you know, mm-hmm. doing water and education and all this stuff. Um, and he still grows it every year. So now he's at 91, nine. Um, I think that was last year. So he might be at 92, eight now. Like he pretty much has basically said, this isn't going to change how we live at all. And we're going to continue to give away as much as possible. So I didn't tell that story because then everyone just throws their hands up and is like, why would we even do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> Can't compete. Yeah. But, but he, he will tell you, and again, I'm not a health, wealth gospel guy, but he'll tell you God, gave him all of those resources because he knew that he could trust him with it. Rick didn't tell this story until 25 years after he began to give that significantly. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not, he was always giving at a rate, never telling anyone about what he was doing. Didn't want it for his own fame and glory. Yeah. He just wanted to, at some point, tell the story that like this is this is possible. Yeah, yeah. Rick Royan, the uh, Michael Jordan of church giving. Seriously, so, yeah. I mean, I was like blown away by the whole story. Yeah. I was like, yeah. "Good night." What would that look like? Yeah, I'd have to be. I mean, that's crazy. So, um, okay, so uh, generosity draws me closer to God. The fourth one, Jesus modeled generosity as an all-in proposition, and the. The idea that I always come back to when I think about generosity and about giving is that Jesus was called to give his life. He couldn't give 10% of it. Yep. It was 100% all in. Jesus didn't hold back what he gave. Mm-hmm. He gave it all. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, like, to see it all as God's is a step in the direction of what Jesus was able to do. To see it all, to say, okay, I want to give uh, this percentage back to the church I want to give this percentage to whatever I want to use this percentage for my family, but my family, I want to lead in kingdom building and missions. Like I want to see everything I have, all of my resources be kingdom building mission related, uh, you know, and to give the way that Christ gave in a sacrificial way, a hundred percent all in, there really was no leeway there. He couldn't just say, Hey, um, I'll just take the, you know, the beating, but not the cross. Yeah. He couldn't do 10%. He had to do it all. Right. Mm-hmm. And he had to finish it. He had to go all the way. Mm-hmm. So I hope Rick Warren gets to a hundred zero, you know, just thrown out there. Um, uh, number five, your decision or your giving is a decision you make, not a response to an emotional choice. Um, and it shouldn't be manipulated. It should bring you joy. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. Cause I can remember, and this goes back to podcast from the fall where we're talking about how crappy churches can be. Um, so here's another good story about that. I remember getting some training on how to do your offering pitch mm. that you should always connect a story of transformation to the offering pitch. Yep. And then you should always explain that your money makes this possible. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in fact, one of the conversations was try to do as many baptisms during the offering pitch as you can. So do your baptism in your service and then try to connect it to your offering. Mm. 
Um, and there was this whole like this whole like uh, way of of training yeah. pastors mm-hmm. on how to emotionally make a pitch for yeah. people to give. So in that moment, they would We're emotionally training a good salesman. Yeah, at that point. And I don't know if you've noticed how we talk about giving. We go a hundred percent in the other yeah. direction. Well, this is part of the reason why we stopped taking an offering in person because it takes away that emotional tip. Right. When you mm-hmm. watch the basket or pouch or whatever pass by you, like when you have to physically take it in your hand and hand it to the next person, we just take that off the table. Yeah. Although when I was, you know, growing up in church, I was taught in Sunday school that if you don't have any mind to give, to give love. So I was like, the basket would come and then I would like reach into my heart and grab love and put it in the basket. There's nothing there. There's no love. <laughs> Some really terrible theology. I know. <laughs> Just throw that out there. Uh, I think, you know, we joke around a lot with announcements, or at least I do. Um, really what we try and do when we announce giving every Sunday is really just, it's more like the transference of information. Like this is where you go to do the act of giving. Yeah. And we try mm-hmm. and say a little bit about how this is an act of worship. Like, and it's for our people. It's not yeah. for people who are guests or if you know, you're checking us out. It's really just to try and minimize it in such a way, make it absolutely clear that this is between you and God. It's yeah. not between us. And furthermore, you know, like Mark, when you were talking about this in the sermon last week, it's like, if you're listening and you're one of the people that, felt guilty when he was talking about how like, you know, 50% of the church giving is done by like, or I forget what the stat is. Like it's essentially half of the church carries the whole budget. Yeah. If you're one of the people that heard that and you felt guilty. And then at some point this week, you've gone into like onto the website or you're trying to give more, just stop, take some time and think about why you're doing that. Is it because you got guilted into doing it or are you doing it because the Holy spirit's working on your heart? I did not say that to emotionally manipulate anyone. Absolutely. I, I know that. Yeah. I'm just more yep. saying like, yeah. if you're one of those people, sit down and take some time with God, like meditate on the spirit, yeah. be praying about it. Don't do it because you heard your pastor say something about it or don't do it because you were reminded like, oh yeah, giving on the weekends. I should do that. Like the whole thing we're talking about here, the whole thing is yep. it's about your heart. Where's your heart at? Yeah. In second Corinthians uh, chapter nine, verse seven, uh, this is what it says. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Okay. It's not emotional. It's not in the moment. Mm-hmm. You decide ahead. You make a decision ahead. Yeah. So each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not manipulated, mm-hmm. not timid. And then, and then he finishes and says, for God loves a cheerful giver, someone who receives joy from their gift. Yeah. So if you're in a place where you don't receive joy from the gift and you're not sure and you're making that decision at the last second or you're pulling up that page and you're making a decision how much it should be based on what your budget was that month, Mm -hmm. um, that's not what God's calling you to do. He's calling you to sit down and think through what is it that he's called you to give and to be faithful with that gift um, and to change your budgeting, change your your decisions around the idea that you're called to do this and it doesn't have to be a ton. I think consistency is more important than the amount. Yeah. I I do think if you're thinking, okay, I'm going to grow in this, I'm going to start here. You're in a good place. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. the the growth and the consistency is more important than than the percentage, right? Just start giving something and give it consistently and get the routine as part of your life. Then what's cool is after you pay off a bill or you aren't paying that car payment or, yeah. you know, you 
get wise and cancel a couple subscriptions, roll some of that stuff into your giving and increase what you give over time, you'll actually start to make decisions that will change the way that you give, will increase what you give, and you will have joy around those things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, do I need, you know, 14 streaming services or can I just go with like three? Yeah. yeah and you know? <laughs> we also, I think, are very aware that there are people that are part of our church, and, you know, especially think about the community that we are in and the people that we're trying to reach. You know, there are probably people out there listening to this that just like they are paycheck to paycheck and they yes. don't have margin. They don't have money. They're in the hole. Start with budgeting. Start with getting yourself under control. Start with getting exactly. a plan. There are ways to give to God besides a dollar amount, you know, like, and you can start there. You can steward your resources, even if you don't have very many of them. You like, right. Like yeah. you just said, start a budget. That's a way of giving because you're saying I need to be better at managing this yeah. so that at some point I can have margin. Yeah. To give. And I'm not telling you, in fact, I, I wish we could do this. We can't, we mm-hmm. cannot. Um, I wish we could turn off credit cards that you couldn't give from a credit card. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you should ever go into debt because of your giving. I don't mm-hmm. think you should ever, um, I don't think you should ever, uh, prioritize your giving in such a way that you are, falling behind in what mm-hmm. your, your obligations. Yeah. I think getting yourself together with a budget, getting a plan together is where you should start. If you're having trouble giving, cause you are living paycheck to paycheck. Yep. And by the way, we have some professionals in our church that would love to sit down and work that out with you. It, not me. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I, I mean, we do fine, but like, I'm not, I'm not going to solve your problem. Like, yep. Hey, I'm a big dumb idiot and I'm trying to figure it out too. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm, we, I've figured yes. some stuff out now that I'm 41 that yeah. I didn't know when I was 26, but uh-huh. we got some professionals who would love to sit down and work yeah. out a budget with you and, and help and help you grow in this. Yes. Yeah. So if you're 100%. somebody who needs help, let us know. Yeah. No matter where you're at, whether you are financially well off, you know, you're successful in your career and in life and you've got a very full bank account, or if you're someone who has, you know, very little, if anything to your name, as far as financial resources, though, that's not a barrier or a hindrance between being generous and, and living your life for God. Because again, it's about the heart yep. and there are ways to, to change where you're at and to be better, but God wants your heart. Yep. So, and then, so there's two left here. We can quickly go through them. Six generosity demonstrates your faith. Mm-hmm. Like it's a chance to let the rubber meet the road. Yep. Um, and it's a chance for you to act out, putting your faith in God to care for you, God to make up the difference for you, God to be the one that, you know, stretches and makes it work. And, mm-hmm. and for you to have those stories of, we don't know how it was going to happen, but God's the one that did it. Yeah. Like those are the cool moments that happen. And it's, it's a chance for you to exercise and demonstrate faith. Um, and the last one, generosity is a demonstration of your maturity in Christ mm-hmm. that like, as you become more mature. And again, I gave the example of being the parent on Christmas, yeah. you know, people are like, you know, Marty be like, Oh, what can I get you for Christmas? Like, please don't give me, like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, you know, this is where like I might get socks or like a back scratcher or like something from, yeah. you know, a man candle. It's just like, it's just stuff I want to throw away. Like, I don't need anything. Please a don't get me anything. Candle? Yeah. yeah, I got a, I have a man candle. Yeah. I don't want to talk about what it. What does it smell like? I don't know. Does it smell bad? Musk? No, Wood, not, I don't know because I've never used it. <laughs> <laughs> it. Smells like body odor. I would like to donate my man candle to somebody who would use it. Um. 
but body odor and smoke that's what it's but like. christmas for me is about watching the kids open the presents yeah it's yep. about playing with their toys with them yeah it's about you know me getting something that delights marty mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's not about you know and this yeah. is where acts chapter i think it's chapter 20 where it's really crazy because luke quotes jesus but we don't have the quote from jesus in the, the gospels mm-hmm. where he says you know as jesus said uh is better to give than to receive. Yeah. And like, we don't have that quote. That's nowhere in the gospels, but Luke captures it and puts it in acts and a mature believer, a mature disciple, a mature apprentice is going to be in a place where they get more out of giving than they, than they receive out of receiving. Mm-hmm. It no longer becomes about what is this, you know, we're talking about in our governance, we're talking about membership. And it's a really hard conversation because membership is really nowhere in the Bible. It's almost like an American concept where we have congregational voting and people get a say in things. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it. I believe that it's a good idea. It's a good structure for nonprofits to have voting members. Yep. So we're going to do it. Um, we're going to call it a covenant, which makes much more sense in the uh, idea of the Bible. But we're going to have kind of a high bar mm-hmm. to be a covenant member. Mm-hmm. And the idea being like, you don't have to make this commitment, but we're looking for mature believers who are going to say, I'm into all these things. I'm going to do, yep. I'm going to live this out. And the covenant they're making is between the community. So, Hey, I'm covenanting with these other people to be the one that drives the mission of this church. And yep. here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to be in a small group. I mean, I'm going to be here on Sundays. Like these are things that I commit to doing because of, you know, wanting to be yeah. committed to this. And I think we've got a weird situation going where, and again, this is probably a byproduct of Minnesota. This is also a byproduct of being close to all these Christian colleges. We've got a lot of people who just want to listen to people talk. They want to listen to people teach. They want to learn more crap. And their learning has far exceeded their obedience. Mm. And they will come to me. I'll, I'll have conversations like this all the time. Like, I'm just looking for deeper teaching. And I'm like, hey, start applying start being obedient to the teaching that we're actually talking about, which is basic. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about deeper teaching. You don't actually need deeper teaching. You need deeper obedience. You need to step back and say, I'm not doing any of this. I'm listening to podcasts about it. And here I am Uh listening to sermons about it. And my obedience level needs to uh, get to my learning level. You've learned a whole lot of stuff that you don't do. You can answer the question of what should I be doing here? And you don't do any of it. So, and again, I'm not not accusing anyone who's listening to this podcast. Thank (laughs) you for listening. We love you. Don't stop listening. (laughs) Um, But man, we got an obedience problem. We got a discipleship problem. We got an apprenticeship problem. We don't have a, we don't have a learning problem. They're not going to listen to another sermon that's going to fix this. They need to start actually acting it out and being obedient to it. So that's my heart as a pastor. It's like, I want to be real with people, but also try to encourage them. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but I do really see this is where things are moving. Yeah. And um, I feel like if we don't turn a corner here, you know, where, what will the church's outcome be? What will it look like in a decade Yeah. with a bunch of baby immature believers who don't understand generosity, aren't obedient, haven't decided to be discipled, you know, aren't able to put themselves in an apprenticeship role to Jesus. Like, at some point, it's just going to be Christianity is going to be a little badge on your online profile yeah. that you just add to it when you if you're you're living in the metaverse. 
and it's not going to mean anything. Yeah. You know, well, it's like a stream. If we're not actively moving forward, trying to look more like Jesus, then we're going to get pulled backwards. We mm -hmm. can't just stay where we are. Yeah. There's no option to just stand still. If we're yeah. not moving forward, then we're going backwards. Right. Yeah. So do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and at the end of the day, this is our heart for you guys to grow closer to Jesus. This is not our heart for our community to have it all together. This is not our heart to say we're leading all these people. They're great. It's that you guys have a closer relationship with Jesus and are walking with him more and more as life goes on and that we continue to grow in this together. Right. Totally. And I would say too, that of all the churches that I've been associated with over the years, I would say that pursuit is, if it's not the top, it's one of the top ones because of our mission and our values and how we implement those things and live those out. And because of the depth of relationship and how we prioritize that, the community aspect, we are very connected with all of you. I mean, we're all in this together. And so when Mark senses something or has his finger on the pulse of something or gets annoyed because he sees something like, <laughs> sorry, but I mean, speaking that in love, like uh, we're going to talk about it. Like we're not going to continue on with some fluffy series about something that doesn't actually really matter. Yeah. We're going to speak to the heart of an issue or talk about things that we think that you all, we all need to hear uh, mm -hmm. and, and be better at. So. If you know Mark at all, you know that he doesn't have that in him to ignore hard conversations. Yeah. He won't do it. And the good news for all of you is like, you shouldn't want him to not do that either. Yeah. Like it's, we talk about it a lot. This is why you should be part of a local church where you actually are known by your pastor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, cool. So we love you guys and uh, it's going to be a great, great week. I don't know why I just said that. Uh, we're going to be back next week with another podcast. Uh, but then the week after that is exponential. So we'll probably have a week off unless we pack up the gear. I don't know. This. Megan's got an idea. We have a fun thing. We talked about this the other day. Okay. Um, if you have made it to this point in the podcast. Oh, here we go. I'm excited. Text Mark a word. If you do it today or tomorrow by like tomorrow morning. <laughs> Text Mark a word, and he will work it into his sermon this weekend. Yeah, because I won't check my I won't check my text on Saturday. I'm not adding anything Sunday morning. So if you get to me by Friday, I'm going to do my best to take a couple of those words and work them into the sermon. Yeah, and we can, so we can review words. what they were yes. next week. On yeah. the, the first people, yeah, yeah, we can say which ones <laughs> we worked in. Um, but yes, text Mark today or tomorrow, Thursday or Friday, and he will try and work that word into the sermon. Um, this is a game that we like to play and I have not, if Mark remembers, I have not it's seen true. him fail. I've often gone up there with the idea. I'm going to put that in and then I've forgotten yeah. to do it. But like, I've seen him do crazy words and he can't just randomly say the word. Like he has to work it contextually <laughs> into his sermon. So yeah. do that. And they're like, his sermons are already long enough. Don't give him <laughs> something else to talk about. <laughs> but this is fun. So, so. yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Have That's a great week, everybody. See you guys later. Bye.